0: Hi, this is the Seattle Mama Doc Podcast. I'm Dr. Wendy Sue Swanson. We all work so hard to perfect how we pull off parenthood, and often we may not feel good enough. I'm here today with Dr. Robert Hilt to help you face these challenges head on. Dr. Hilt, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Dr. Hilt is comes to us with great experience. He was a general pediatrician like I am in the community and then went back and did a secondary residency in psychiatry. So he's now a pediatric psychiatrist who both takes care of children and families with mood disorders and psychiatric challenges, but he also works really hard to make sure that regular pediatricians and family docs in the community have the support they need. You know, as everyone knows, we don't feel like we often have access to these really smart psychiatrists and behavioral specialists that we need. And mental health resources often seem out of reach. And as we battle all sorts of complex, you know, community challenges, um, threats, and concerns as we raise our kids in the environment, these resources are great. Dr. Hilt has really helped create the partnership access line across both the state of Washington and the state of Wyoming that allows for regular docs to call up and within almost, 90% rate, you told me, you know, connect directly with a trained psychiatrist to help them make a care plan for a patient and family. And then within a day, they write a note and send it to that clinician. So if you're a parent, or if you're a provider in Washington State, or in Wyoming, make sure you advocate if there's any time where you have a really long wait time, or there's a concern of something getting escalated, or you need help managing a medicine of any kind. The pediatric. Partnership Access Line is a great resource, and we'll put those links um, in this podcast online. Dr. Hilt, thank you. You're welcome. So we are going to talk about... um kind of a touchy subject. You know, I mean, I think all of our kids can be a pain in the butt and they can all be really moody, especially when they don't sleep. Um, And I think a lot of us walk around wondering, um, particularly if we have a child that seems hard to parent, you know, is there actually something wrong? Is my child, you know, not just kind of moody and temperamental, but is there something going on? So can we talk about mood disorders and kind of where they come from and what they are? Sure.
1: Sure. So mood disorders in young people are not necessarily what we immediately think of when somebody's a bit moody. It always comes down to how well is the child functioning. So everybody has a bad day, kids included. Uh, and uh,
0: yes, we do. Yes, we yeah. do.
1: <laughs> and um, uh, being irritable on a day here or there, that's not something we would say is a big problem. Something that's persistent and impairing the young person being able to make friends, get along with family members, pursue their normal life. If that's getting in the way, then there might be a problem that is worth talking to a provider about.
0: And, I mean, in that, let's get some examples on that because you know them so well. I mean, mm-hmm. is it, it's kind of, you know, making friends is hard, um, going or wanting to go to school. What mm-hmm. other things that kind of say to you, oh, this is persistent and kind of, you know— yeah. Trend.
1: So if you have a, if you're a young person, uh, fights going to school every day, uh, and they miss a lot of days of school, or they're coming home early from school because of something that's happened, or they've they've been losing friends, they can't make friends anymore, uh, or there's a lot of conflict in the household centered around the young person, um, those would all be areas of issue.
0: Yeah. If a day, if you feel like every day is kind of a battle. Right, that might be something in which you should check in with your pediatrician mm-hmm. or family doc to talk about. So let's talk about the cause of kids who are kind of oppositional or angry. You know, that's in mm-hmm. one of your talks. You, you, I love that title, "The Oppositional or Angry Child." Um, so if you're out there and you think, "Gosh, one of my children," or I know someone who's got a child who's just really angry, what what does that mean, and how does aggression happen in young kids? Uh, it comes, and older kids.
1: And older. <laughs> kids. And, and
0: old people. Anyone? <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, So they're they're kind of separate things. So aggression, uh, where you're actually lashing out in some way, shape, or form, Mm -hmm. um, I always like to try to think of in the terms of communication. Uh, People resort to aggression, verbal aggression or physical aggression, when they felt something that's really important to them has not been able to be resolved or addressed by other means. So, yeah, that that's, so that's so yeah. that's when they lash out. So I always think about what's what is the behavior, the aggression, the action communicating, uh, and that can lead to understanding a bit more where it's coming from.
0: So. And I, one of the things in in some of the preparatory information you gave me was really just the development. I love your example of kind of a zero- to two-year-old and what happens and how it can show us what kind of a normal aggressive behavior is as you're learning to talk. So ex- yeah. explain that a little bit, too.
1: So um, if, if you walk through a preschool environment where you have, uh, <laughs> say, two-year-olds, you'll see a lot of toy-pulling behavior, somebody yelling, mine, and uh, one child hitting another child, give that back, um, and they – Kids at that age don't generally have the great verbal skills to say, "When you're done with that, may I have it, please?" Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then negotiate that. And back.
0: even if they do have those skills, they don't always deploy them.
1: Correct. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, aggressive incidents are really common in early, early years before we have good communication skills, and then that should diminish over time.
0: So, so. That's helpful. I mean, these so these kind of raging toddlers, right, and mm-hmm. their threes, the terrible threes, and then some people have, you know, profanities for the fours. And mm-hmm. But the, these kids are kind of learning and acquiring skills of communicating. After what? Is it kind of age four or five? Kids shouldn't be kind of lashing, screaming, hitting – Kind of those really reactionary, abrupt type, aggressive sy- signs and symptoms. I mean,
1: yeah. So you'd, you'd expect that to be diminishing pretty significantly after 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 three years of age or so, yeah. uh, as language skills are acquired. And we'll see individuals with uh, language difficulties, hearing problems, yeah. inability to communicate, um, intellectual impairment learning difficulties, where frustrations will, will lash out, um, and that could be a reason for persistence.
0: Yeah, I love that how you first defined what aggression was, right? It's <laughs> kind of like if you can't get what you need out of how you're communicating, you're left with, like, violence, right? Or you're left with your body or you're left with screaming because you're not getting what you need. And yeah. if you maybe can't communicate that you can't hear well, you don't even know it, and you're a you know, child. So at, at any time your child's having a – it's a, just a nice tip and reminder. If your child's having a really kind of outlying behavior, Behavioral challenge, always looking at um, how are they seeing, how are they hearing, how are they kind of cognitively thinking mm-hmm. is something to be explored of. Are they having a challenge even, you know, with something like dyslexia or a learning difficulty that, um, can can cause extremes amounts of frustration that can lead to that. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit about the causes ultimately, kind of biologic and, and kind of the nature nurture of kids who move past, oh, bad day to uh, bad week, Bad every week, you know, into that kind of oppositional or angry space.
1: So I would say, roughly speaking, about half of all the problems that kids have with irritability and aggression is uh, uh, that's persistent is based on their biology, sort kind of what you're born with. Uh, some of it's uh, some additional problems are rooted out of your environment, uh, what you were exposed to, and some of it's just family relations. Uh, so some things are learned um, a poor interaction pattern. Yeah. Where people in the household, say, don't know how to get their needs met without screaming and yelling and slamming doors, that tends to be what a young person does as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you break it down to say half of it is biology. So can we go a little deeper in that? Sure. So half of that being biology means... Genetically speaking, these kids pop out, and they might just be more aggressive, oppositional kids.
1: Yes. So um, there's some l- very long-standing research. Uh, the, it was called the New York Longitudinal Study, uh, in which temperament was defined and followed and tracked in young people throughout their adult lives. And certain uh, temperamental traits that we're just born with tend to be the traits that we have throughout the rest of our lives. So. Uh, Having an initial negative or distrustful reaction to something new in the environment, like there's a red truck in the room, and you're like, I'm not going to immediately grab it and pick it up. What is this thing? Uh Um, uh, The kind of
0: distrust before trust as opposed to trust before distrust. Immediately,
1: yeah.
0: That's a kind of hardwired
1: it's uh, kind of hard. think of people
0: in your life. I mean, I can yeah. think of people in my life where it's really hardwired. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And it can be fallible either either direction. Absolutely. <laughs> so I point no fingers <laughs> in bad ways. I just mean, yeah, because yeah. either way. Yeah. Okay.
1: And having, uh, say, irregular patterns. So the, the young person who sometimes doesn't want to eat anything until 10 in the morning, yeah. and then they're suddenly really, really hungry. Is more difficult to parent than somebody who is wanting to eat when everybody else eats and is yeah. very flexible, yeah. um, and, and rap, uh, rapidity of adaptation to new and stimuli in the environment. Yeah. Um,
0: and that's kind of hardwired, too. You're saying kind of
1: hardwired. Kinda, yeah. uh, and all of those, all of our temperamental traits, uh, don't necessarily change the kind of person you can be in the future. It just changes how challenging it is to be the parent and be responsive and shape things in what may be a different way than another child that you had that was very easy to parent.
0: Um, Well, I love that. I feel like like this is like some billboards we should put up all over. Like the idea that this is hardwired. (laughs) It is harder to parent some of these kids who maybe don't adapt quickly, are kind of, you know, strong-willed, You know, I mean, there are all sorts of other words, like, you know, just like so, so difficult to kind of get to change and maybe even aggressive. But that I love your point to say, it doesn't mean they don't get to be the most loving, compassionate father. Mm -hmm. They don't it doesn't mean they don't get to be, you know, the employee of the year in their future life. It just is a harder job to convert them or just guide them, not convert, but guide, right, and nurture them into their adulthood.
1: Yeah. Many of society's leaders started out as very, very difficult to parent young people. Yeah. Uh, That doesn't have any bearing on your future, but as a parent, um, you have to up your game and do things in a different way, oftentimes. Yeah.
0: So let's transition to that then. I mean, I think that's what everybody wants to know. You have a mm-hmm. moody child, or you might have a child, and we didn't really get into this in the podcast, but you might have a child who meets criteria for something called oppositional defiant disorder. Um, what, what? Give us actually, since we're talking, you're here. I have a psychiatrist in my midst. What are the um, typical criteria that would kind of cause a child to have that diagnosis? Not just a moody kid, but a child who really is what we call oppositional.
1: The criteria for oppositional defiant disorder uh, is uh, many different symptoms that have to be often occurring. So often irritable, annoyed by others, often um, uh, uh, causing uh, challenges for for the relationships around them uh, often in, in conflict with their peers. And that has to be a persisting pattern for six months or longer and typically that pattern would need to be present by the time they're age eight. So nuance at opposition-defined disorders, say, in a, in a teenager, uh-huh. it would tell me there's probably something Something's else going on.
0: Yeah. 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 Thank you. So before age eight and those kind of over six months of kind of day in, day out challenges in multiple environments in that way. Right. So let's say your kid has oppositional divine disorder, or your child doesn't and is moody, but kind of moodier or biologically inherited, harder, <laughs> strong willed, yeah. you know, maybe averse to change. What are parenting strategies, or kind of like how does a family become great at helping a child who's really angry or oppositional or difficult? Uh,
1: there are lots of resources out there. Uh, so there's uh, the, collectively, I would call it behavior management training, mm-hmm. learning how to bring super skillful parenting strategies to their child. Yeah. Um, therapists have many different models of delivering behavior management training, uh, and that all all of those involve working with parents as opposed to, say, bringing a child to the therapist and dropping Drop them, them off, off. <laughs> right. and picking right. them up an hour later all fixed. It right. doesn't kind of work like that. Right. Um, very young children don't lay back on the couch and say, gee, doc, now that you mention it, I'm think of doing things a whole different way.
0: <laughs> so, yeah. So what are some quick strategies in the home environment? Like what's mm-hmm. the most effective intervention for an angry kid?
1: Uh, the most effective intervention, I would say, is to catch them being good or offer praise. Uh, so a lot of times these kids get into a pattern with their parents where um, everything's negative. Everything's yeah. a fight. Um, and kids are starting to, to do negative things to get attention from their parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you're a child, any attention is be- much, much better than no attention. So if you spend a little time catching them being good uh, or spending positive time with them, things can start to change. Um, and there's this thing I call special time or, or, or parent time uh, where – we can ask a family member to spend five to 10 minutes in a day with their child just doing what their child enjoys doing Uh and not directing the play, not saying, and now Susie's going to the store and we're putting her in the car, follow what their kid's doing. And that alone, in some cases, can make a huge difference.
0: Yeah, well, in one of the um, background slides, you you said, you know, kind of like elements of kind of helping this parenting strategy is acknowledging that you have kind of control at making this a better environment. And that mm-hmm. praise praises the number one kind of strongest intervention. Mm-hmm. And it's hard, right, when your kid's the moody one or aggressive, right, or oppositional, you do feel like, well, no, I have to make sure my other child is safe. I have to make sure they're functional. But yeah. your point is the strongest and most you know, effective intervention over time is catching them doing something awesome and reminding them of that and then carving out time where that you say, you know what, you're in charge. I, we get, you get upset with me every night when we're making the, you know, what we're going to do for dinner on Tuesdays, you get to decide what we make for dinner. And then, uh, you know, every Wednesday or maybe every day from 8.15 to 8.30, you decide exactly what we do for 15 minutes. And mm-hmm. I have no control over that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And kids will really blossom with that sometimes. Um, Another thing that we often look for, if the kid's brought to us for this challenge, brought to us meaning the psychiatrist, is there anything else underlying that could be making the situation worse? So we do screen for other diagnoses, like does the child have ADHD, Uh Um, be alert for the idea of maybe they have a learning disability and are bringing home frustrations from school. Sometimes they uh, young children have an anxiety problem, and that is impacting the relationship. So we do screen for other things most of the time. It's just uh, this kind of difficult to parent pattern that has gotten going.
0: So, Talk about, I mean, you know, I think sometimes when parents or a community thinks about psychiatrists, they think about a pill. And when it comes Mm -hmm. to the angry, moody child um, or an oppositional child uh, or a child who has multiple diagnoses, right, has challenges with attention and maybe is oppositional as well, is Mm -hmm. there a role for medicine?
1: Sometimes there's a role for medicine. It's usually uh, the best approach is what we were describing, the behavior management, learning how to – bring these super-skillful parenting strategies to the situation that will resolve things. Um, If a child has an underlying other disorder like ADHD, medication treatment for ADHD can make a big difference in oppositional defiant problems. I bet. Um, And being alert for underlying diagnoses. Um, But we like to generally start with therapy or behavior training first.
0: So, any other last tips of what families can do with their moody kid? Just the moody kid? Like, I mean, I don't know, but I might be raising my hand. Like, what gold mine can you give me today so that when my kids are jerks, mm-hmm. I can do it right? Um, <laughs> I have to say it happens. There's, there's
1: one other thing that we often don't pay enough attention to is um, being nurtured yourself as a parent. If you're very, very stressed and you feel like nobody's there for you, it's a little bit harder, frankly, to have that dedicated time to be there for your young person. So including some way to feel nurtured yourself or cared for yourself, if, if possible, will give you a little more emotional money in your wallet, uh, to be there for the difficult times of the young person and be willing to spend those special times together.
0: Yeah, I love it. It always comes down to self-care, like being a great model of taking care of yourself, um, getting the rest you need, having the pop off strike, right? if it's a run or whatever it is that is that time for yourself, um, so that you can kind of collect yourself, right, and be that person. And I, I love that thinking about the data that you review and in your expertise, knowing that in children who are aggressive or moody or quote-unquote difficult or angry, that the most productive thing we can do is catch them when they're doing good mm-hmm. and i think when we're probably taking care of ourselves it's going to be a lot more often that we'll put our phone down be really present to make sure that we don't miss the moment right right thank you dr hilt okay the reality is parenting is a high stakes job but the good news is you've got this Thanks for listening. The Seattle Mama Doc Podcast episodes air every single week. I'm always interested in hearing what you have to say, what was helpful, and what you want to learn more about. Reach out to me on Twitter at Seattle Mama Doc, on my Facebook, Seattle Mama Doc, or at SeattleMamaDoc.com. Tell me what you want to learn. Tell me if you want to join me and point me to experts you'd love to learn more from.